Welcome to the Holistic Work Podcast. I'm Flip Brown, your host and founder of Business Culture Consultants. The mission of this podcast is to bring together individuals who want work to work well, who strive for a balanced and resilient lifestyle, and who have a commitment to social, economic, climate, and racial justice. Feel free to check out the whole series, along with other resources, at businesscultureconsultants.com. Thanks for finding your way here. In today's episode, how organizational change really happens and why it usually doesn't. In any organization, there's always people who say, we need to make some changes here. And when I ask folks the magic wand question, you have a magic wand, magic wands can change anything, what would be the first thing you would change here? They almost always talk about the ways in which people communicate, interact, and behave. It's seldom that they talk about the need for operational changes, structural changes, things like that. At the end of our workday, it's not necessarily how much money we made. We don't typically calculate that in our heads. It's the quality of the experiences that we had in terms of our interactions with our team members, our customers or clients, and other stakeholders. When I look at organizational change, I'm keenly interested at looking at how people work together, not so much what they're working on. I work in a lot of different industries, and everyone is striving to have a good experience at work, to have a sense of purpose and accomplishment, and to experience some meaning and fulfillment. So how does change work? Well, let's look at our personal lives. I don't know about you, but I've read books, I've got DVDs, I've watched online programs, and as a musician, I'm always fascinated by technique. And so I'm a keen consumer of YouTube videos and programs in terms of how I can play any of my various instruments better. The problem is I can get so enthralled by that information that I actually don't practice. And so we've all been to fabulous offsite retreats, the food's good, maybe we're in a beautiful location, maybe we play some fun games or have some some lighthearted events, and then we go back to work and fall back in our old patterns. We also have been to trainings where we receive information. And boy, if information were sufficient to change human behavior, there wouldn't be a single tobacco smoker left. The problem is this myth of believing that information will change behavior, it just doesn't work. Change occurs when people change. And the people that we watch, consciously and subconsciously, in terms of how to behave, how to resolve conflicts, how to deliver clear expectations, uh, how to obtain commitments, what accountability actually means. We watch the people who have the power differential. Unfortunately, historically, that power differential has been concentrated in older white men. That is slowly changing, not fast enough. But regardless of what the power differential is, If we don't see the people in leadership positions 
genuinely embracing change, and that starts with what I call appropriate professional vulnerability, meaning that willingness to be uncomfortable, that willingness to accept what may feel like disconfirming information, and to have a sense of practicing, of being engaged, of trying, making good mistakes, honest failures, learning from those, incorporating those, then none of us who are in an organization and following the leaders will feel comfortable really taking the risks to grow and change. Because if we get out ahead of the leaders, well, how's that going to work? Are they going to modify their viewing and doing of their jobs because they see us change? It can happen, but it usually doesn't. And so both things are true. Change can be driven from the bottom. If a group of motivated, empowered people can bring information forward that says there's a disconnect here, there's a misalignment between our principles, values, and beliefs, and how we're working together, we want to do something about that. We want to have conversations about that. And there is receptivity by people who have designated positions of authority. Yes, that can work. It doesn't happen too often, but I have seen that occur. The most powerful thing is when we see someone in a position of authority actually model for us what change looks like. And I'll give you an example. I was working in a manufacturing plant and the plant manager was bright, motivated, had a good vision uh, and a good sense of wanting to support his team. And when I observed the management team meeting, he would make the classic mistake of saying, okay, we need to improve effectiveness in this area. Who's got a good idea about what to do here? Well, the eight good managers sitting around the table, they knew what his idea of a good idea was. And if theirs wasn't going to match it, then there was no point in taking that risk because they would feel diminished or uh, dismissed or that it just, there wouldn't be any traction. So they would sit there in silence or offer something inconsequential. And this particular manager would then get frustrated and say, hey, come on, I, I want to hear from you. Well, I observed this dynamic, and in my coaching conversation with the manager, I'll call Bob, I said, you know, Bob, first of all, you're asking your team members to take risks where you're not demonstrating that, you're not giving them a sense of what the appropriate risks are. And secondly, uh, when they don't meet your preconceived notion of what a good idea is and you get frustrated, that just shuts down the dialogue more. And when you get edgy, then there's uh, no incentive for your team members to then speak up. So we talked about it a little more. We went back to the next staff meeting, and he started the meeting by saying, you know what, team, I'm aware that I have not sent you a clear message. And that message is, I want to learn what your ideas are about how we can improve our processes here. However, I want you also to feel comfortable that if you have an idea that you don't think I'm going to like or accept, 
I actually need to hear that because that's going to challenge me and my perspective. There could be something that I never would have thought of. Now, my commitment to you is to do a better job of not trying to fit that into my own view and and not to just shut it down uh, or have a strong negative reaction. I may not do that perfectly, but I would like your support in that. Of course, his team members heard this. It seemed odd, different. And the meeting went on, and there was another point where he said, I'm looking to make some changes in this area, but I'd like to get your feedback. Well, it was too early. The the team didn't have any experience over time that this new dynamic from the manager was actually real and something that they could trust. So they held back again, and Bob said, look, people, I really want, and he stopped mid-sentence, and he looked at me, and he said, that's edgy, Bob, right? And I said, you got it, man. And his team members are like, oh my gosh, he's catching himself right in the middle of his own behaviors. And that was a real icebreaker. And so people felt like if Bob was going to make the investment in looking at how he was uh, communicating and and, uh, engaging, well, they could do that too. And so They would offer ideas. Sometimes they would preface it by saying, well, Bob, you know, I know in the past you haven't been wild about this idea, but I think we need to look at it again. Or this is going to be a little clumsy because I don't have this fully formed, but I think it's something that maybe we should discuss. Over a period of weeks, the whole tone of the meeting changed to be much more interactive. The management team felt much more empowered And Bob really became much more of an active listener instead of the judge and jury. So this is one tiny example that if we're going to change the patterns, then not just the leader, but everyone needs to have an awareness of their own contributions. Because unfortunately, when we're feeling frustrated, upset, uh, discouraged, it's so easy to fall into fault and blame. It's someone else who's doing or not doing the thing that is making us feel unhappy or uncomfortable. Whereas in any situation, we always have options. They may not be perfect. They seldom are perfect. However, we have the option to change how we frame the situation, how we skillfully use language, how we monitor our own emotional reactivity and that of others, and have more caring, compassionate, yet effective conversations. Because the secret is organizations change by virtue of changing their conversations. And that process, even if there's a strong commitment, in my experience, it takes 12 months as a general rule for these patterns to be examined, discussed, and for the team to move to the next higher plateau. So in addition to emotional intelligence skills, use of language, there also needs to be the element of uh, creative conflict and the ability to make sure that we truly have an inclusive process to honor all voices, particularly those who are so different than ours. 
Right? That's the basic element of diversity, equity, and inclusion. However, all of us have inherent biases. And the first person that says to me, I don't have any biases, just gave me proof that they do. Organizational change is a complex phenomenon. Part of that is that we're asking folks to go into the unknown together. Hey, going in the unknown is scary because we don't know what it's going to be like. For some, it's a spirit of adventure. For others, it's like, oh no, don't drag me through the knothole. And yet there's kind of a third group that's like, yeah, whatever. The anxiety of going into the unknown is greatly lessened by having a deep container of trust. What trust really means is the subject for a completely different and whole conversation. So we'll leave it there. So to sum up, change happens when we have the courage to look at maybe what we have not wanted to look at, to identify the disconnects, the things that are out of alignment, to reaffirm our fundamental agreements and values, and to have everyone understand that they make contributions not only to the challenges, but to the solutions. Often it does take an outside perspective because the longer you've been in a given organization or culture, the more it's like asking the fish to describe the water. I have been extremely fortunate to see numerous teams make the sorts of changes that truly elevate them, higher level of functioning and connection and, dare we say, fun. This concludes another episode of the Holistic Work podcast series. If you're interested in this and other archived podcasts, they are available wherever you get your podcasts or at businesscultureconsultants.com. You're also welcome to email me at flip.brown at icloud.com. This has been a production of Business Culture Consultants at Star Farm Studios in Burlington, Vermont. And thanks for tuning in. I'm Flip Brown, and may your awesome potential continue to unfold at work, in your life, and through your positive contributions to the world. Until the next time we cast another pod, be safe and strong.